the Holy Gospel according to Luke from the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone who falls, whom it falls, will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately. But they, know, they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Now may your eyes of your hearts be enlightened to know the height and the breadth and the depth that God has for you in his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon this morning comes from our gospel reading in Luke. You've heard the phrase, over my dead body, or you'd have to kill me first. Well, we're very familiar with this saying, and uh, often Alice says, Chris, why don't we move back east? I said, you mean with the blizzards and the black ice? I said, no, over my dead body will we do that. Of course, my toes couldn't take it either. Now, however, I'm sure this phrase came from a rather serious origin. Maybe it was an army that was opposing a king to take over his throne. 
And the king stood his ground and said, over my dead body will you take my throne. And in our parable this morning, we have a serious tone as well. You see, Jesus, at the end of the parable, stated to the vine dressers that the vineyard would be taken away from them and given to somebody else. And their reply was, when they heard it, they said, may it never be. In other words, they were telling Jesus that we're not the ones to be destroyed, but you're the one that needs to go. And in the parable, Luke recorded that he was speaking about them and that they were going to try and trap Jesus in his words and hand him over to the authorities. But the question here is, how did they know that Jesus was speaking about them? Well, you have to recall that the scriptures of that day was the Old Testament. Or the Old Testament, the New Testament had not yet been written. And so we must go back to the Old Testament to understand what Jesus was talking to them about. And if we go back to Kings, in the time of King Ahab, there was a man named Naboth. And he owned a vineyard. And King Ahab came to Naboth and said, I would like to purchase your vineyard. And Naboth responded, he said, I cannot sell you my inheritance. I will, I will not sell you my, my vineyard. And King Ahab walked away and he was very sad very disturbed because he coveted Naboth's vineyard greatly. So much so that he went home and sulked. So much so that he lost his appetite to eat. And his wife, Jezebel, told Naboth to get up Eat and be merry, for I will deliver you Naboth's vineyard to you. And so Jezebel called a fast in the city and put Naboth at the head of the table. And Jezebel also put two thugs next to Naboth and falsely reported blasphemous things against the king. And so, of course, King Ahab had no other recourse but to have Naboth killed. And therefore, his vineyard was taken by force.
his vineyard was taken through murder, through the shedding of blood. Now, of course, in Jesus' parable this morning, the slaves represent the prophets. Every prophet that God had sent to Israel, they murdered. And of course, the son represents Jesus, the one that God sent to the cross that would later be killed for the sins of the world. And of course, the vineyard, well, the vineyard was given to others. And those others were the Gentiles. Gentiles like us, you and I. And you can see how this parable parallels with the Old Testament this morning. The owner of the vineyard sent a servant to obtain the first fruits of the harvest. And they were beaten up and sent away. And he sent two more and the same thing happened. They were beat up and sent away. And then the owner thought, surely if I send my beloved son, and by the way, in the original text, my beloved son is the actual reading of it in the parable, that they would treat him better. However, they responded by killing the owner's son and kept the inheritance for themselves. And coming back to this idea of my beloved son, this is the same language, the exact same words used when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his beloved son, Isaac. And Abraham knew and obeyed God, knowing that God was able to bring people back from the dead. Listen to the words of the writer of the Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews records, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. You see, Christ knew that they wanted him dead. But Christ also knew that he could raise himself up again on the third day. But what's amazing about this parable is the fact that the Pharisees thought that they could 
supersede Jesus' words. Right? I'm going to take this vineyard and I'm going to give it to somebody else, Jesus tells them. And they responded, may it never be. No, you're not. It's just amazing to me. Instead of a response of repentance and turning towards God and asking for forgiveness, they responded, over my dead body will you take this vineyard from us. And in some ways, we're no better. Uh, we like to control our own lives and our situations. We don't like to die to ourselves each day and pick up our cross and follow him. We often falsely believe that Jesus is like the break glass in case of an emergency. And nonetheless, the setting of for our Old Testament text is that Israel was exiled in Babylon because of their non-repentance and chasing after foreign gods. And of course, we too are no different. It's just our idols take different forms. How often do we chase after other things other than spending time in God's word and in prayer? One theologian said that the, man, the mind of man is an idol factory. Let me repeat that again. The mind of man is an idol factory. And then, of course, there's Paul's problem. Before he was converted on the road to Damascus and fell off his horse, he was caught up in self-righteousness and pride. And he had every reason to boast. He was taught under the best Gamaliel, the best scholar of his time. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised on the eighth day. But Paul said that my righteousness is but dung. My righteousness is but rubbish compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ. And think about that. Paul said that he was blameless according to the law. So we're not talking about some homeless man with a heroin needle sticking out of his arm and some addict and some <clears throat> deadbeat dad. We're talking about somebody who you would look at very upright. Had the best intentions. Strove to know God. And yet he said, these things I count but loss 
Because what Paul realized is that he needed another righteousness. He needed God's righteousness. Because Paul realized that God requires perfection. The horrible of idea, the horrible idea of I do my best and God does the rest doesn't cut it. God requires perfection from our lives every second of the day throughout our entire lives. No, we need Christ's righteousness, not our own. And in our Old Testament text <clears throat> this morning, God just doesn't leave Israel in exile in Babylon. No, he points them to what God had done in the past bringing them out of bondage in Egypt into the promised land. And so here, God promises Israel in our Isaiah text this morning that he will do something new, that he will bring them out of bondage of Babylon back to the promised land. He said that he would make roads in the wilderness and that he would bring about rivers in the desert so that he may provide drink for his chosen people. In a new work of what God has done, it's over Christ's dead body that he delivers you to his vineyard through his resurrection. Christ went on the cross for you so that you may know the power of his resurrection. Not standing in your own righteousness, but in Christ's. As Christ hung and died and was raised on the third day for you, now the Father drops the gavel on the courtroom desk and says, not guilty. Christ has now taken his robe and has wrapped it around you. And you are righteous in his sight because you wear the robes, the robe of Jesus's righteousness around you so that you may consider all of your goodness rubbish so that you may gain Christ.
And just like God promised Israel that he would lead them out of Babylon back to the promised land through the waters of the Red Sea. You have gone through the Red Sea right here. You have passed through it. You have been cleansed and washed by the promise that God has given you in your baptism. God has done something new and is doing something new. And he started it right here in your baptism. And the vineyard, God promised to give the vineyard to you. The kingdom to you. And in a moment, you're going to taste a foretaste of that right here in communion where he is going to give you a foretaste of what is to come so that this bread and wine may sustain you and nourish and strengthen you for all eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Mm -hmm.